Welcome to Disruption Now. I'm your host and moderator, Rob Richardson. I'm James Keyes. And I'm Amisha Cross. So if you remember, this is a few weeks back, the Rich Paul rule came out, which was a ridiculous rule that tried to limit access to, to those who could actually represent NBA agents. And so it was all ridiculous. But after that backlash, some people were coming out with this movement to say black athletes should actually start going to HBCUs and start making a movement out of that, particularly Jamel Hill, who, who really hasn't been shy about her opinions. We want to talk about it. Is she making a good point? Should black college athletes take more agency and actually do things to actually move the ball and maybe even go to HBCUs and start that trend? I don't know. We're going to talk about all sides of it, and we really want to kind of have that debate. That's what we do here at Disruption Now. We disrupt common narratives and constructs, and we're going to have a little fun today doing that. So, look, uh, you know, Jamel Hill makes a point. So if you if you remember all the way back to, to, to the 90s, uh, Amisha may not remember. I don't know what she was doing then, but uh, I was watching college basketball then. I wasn't watching college basketball <laughs> in the nineties. <laughs> yeah, we don't, we don't, we don't. So <laughs> learning how to write. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the Fab Five really started a trend, and you think about it, we still talk about the five, uh, the Fab Five to this very day. When you know, when five black men, black athletes, they didn't go to an HBCU, but they really started a trend. They said, you know, we're going to go here, we're going to start and bring hip hop culture. And, you know, five freshmen went all the way to the Final Four. And you had almost nearly everybody from the hood rooting for them and, you know, everybody else rooting for Duke. And, you know, Duke, the evil empire, some people felt, myself included, won. No, no, sorry. No disrespect to Duke if you love Duke, but I hate Duke. So um, they ended up winning, but they ended up really setting trends and setting a pattern and, and, and show people and I think that that actually made others kind of not like them, feel like they were over-aggressive black men, you know, all those terms that get thrown around. But it showed what could happen. And so I do think that that model possibly exists. But there's some other sides to it. Uh, but I want to get you guys' opinion, and I have my own opinion on it, but I want to hear you guys. I want to hear the panel. Uh, I know Amisha has a lot of really strong feelings about this, so I'm going to let you go first. Much respect to Jamel Hill um, for, you know, coming back after um, after being outspoken um, at ESPN. But I, I feel like this has been a debate that we have had for years at this point. Um, I, I don't think that there is a there is a reason to tell black athletes that they should be choosing HBCUs. As someone who comes from a family of, of athletes, I can name only one that chose to go to an HBCU. And the reasoning for him was more academics than anything else. Um, if we're talking about people who legitimately or feel like they really are going to have a shot at the NFL or the NBA, they're going to go to schools where the recruiters are going to see them, they're going to get noticed. They're going to go to schools that the boosters send their money to. They're going to go to schools that already have those advances for, or advantages for young people who are wanting to get involved in these sports. And they're the ones that highly recruit them. If I'm someone who is interested in getting drafted to a major team, I'm going to go to a school that is known to drafting people to major teams. That's what I'm going to be looking forward to. I'm not going to choose one where I know that I'm going to be, no matter how good I am, I'm going to have to, one, be able to best those that are already at institutions that fund, um, that fund sports more heavily, but also looking at the fact that I don't think that you gain anything as an African-American by telling all African-Americans, regardless if it's for sports or for academics, just to go to HBCUs. I think that that is, should be a student's personal choice dependent on a variety of reasons and characteristics of things that matter to them. I don't think that it's fair and especially in today's day and age where we're looking to advance diversity, where we're trying to showcase and bring people to a better understanding of our culture to continue to separate ourselves. 
But do you think that's what these power conferences are doing? And I want to have James. James, James went to an HBCU. I don't think these power conferences it's are. You. Yeah. I don't think power university. Yeah. I don't think these power yes, conferences are, care about advanced diversity. In fact, you know, a lot of them don't even have affirmative action or and they have fake inclusion programs. Real talk. But they do. They're all about inclusion, of course, when it comes to athletics. And you can even lower the standard when the athletes come in. Uh, so I don't know if, if you see the proof of you actually see these, the, the, these black graduates coming through or, or with majors that actually will help them. Like general studies is not going to help you do much. But that's what a lot of the, that's what a lot of people get getting their degrees well, in. You have to you have to when you talk about this issue, you have to talk about the monetary aspect, because that's yeah. all this is about. The Power Five conferences or the NCAA, it's about money. It's about controlling the producers of value so that they they can profit off them without paying them, without worrying about workers' comp and things like that. And Jamel's Hill, Jamel Hill's ar argument is also an economic one. She's not saying that people should go to black colleges because that's just what, you know, like that. that's just, oh yes, that's honorable or whatever. She's saying that the athletes that are participating at a high level in the NCAA, whether it's basketball, the, the, t the television sports, that's what we're really talking about here. Men's college basketball is a television sport. Sport. Billions of dollars are paid to broadcast that on television. Uh, college football is a television sport. Billions of dollars are paid to broadcast that high at the high levels on college football. She's saying that the product there, the people who are pr producing the value are African-American athletes. And so at the same time, the HBCUs just are out of money. And, and they, they are, they're struggling financially. And she's saying it would be nice if some of these athletes use their agency because they are the product. And they walk around acting like a lot of times, like these schools are doing them a favor. If these, if Zion Williamson is playing basketball, people are going to pay to see it. No matter where and he so is. Duke, yeah, Duke is not it, doing him a favor. But you're not going to be seen if you're playing for a team that's not even in the division. So I'm like, no, I, you I, I'm, will. I'm you will. There's just why this. Wait, you can say that in 1990. You can say that in 1990. But right now, you can be seen. Well, I'm, I'm thinking about the big team. You're going to be seen by the pros, too. You're going to be seen by the pros too. They yeah, pay scouts. Particularly, particularly basketball. I think we got a separate basketball, football may be a little bit different on this, but with basketball, you could be, if you have a, if, if you have a school that's playing well and you're winning games, you're going to be seen like the number two Steph, pick Steph in the Curry. draft. The number no, 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 Davidson. The, this year, this year, the number two pick in the NBA draft went to Murray state. You're if telling HBCUs me Murray State gets more exposure players, than Howard? HBCUs need to be able to bring something to the table that makes those top players choose those schools. I agree with you. This is more about money than it is anything else. It's about money for the PWIs. It's about money for the HBCUs. If your package is not as incentivizing as another one's, then you cannot get mad that you were not the choice. But I think graduating... Uh, that's a fair point. That's a that's fair, a fair point. point. That's, that's a fair point. point. I think graduating... She's saying that... Out of solidarity, though, that, hey, maybe yeah. we should try to direct some of this money back into our own communities out of solidarity. I'm not saying that it's a controlling argument. I'm saying I, the argument is about money. Your point is valid, too. Like, hey, yeah. up your game if you want to get into this game, because as she pointed out in the article, Clemson's athletic facility is worth as much or almost as much as North Carolina Antees, um, uh, uh, no, Clemson's athletic facility, North Carolina Antees. Uh, endowment are nearly equivalent and so up your game if you want right. to get into that game but it, it, there is something always to be said in, in terms of solidarity with you know black folks who share a common struggle in terms of oppression and have then have this historical and HBCUs context have a have a have, have a really great track record with black graduates better than anybody else by a lot i mean by yeah. a whole lot like what you say 80 percent of judges 50 percent of lawyers i think 50 percent of doctors 
40% of those in Congress, 13% of CEOs, you know, particularly some of the, I don't know if, I, if I'm going to differentiate this, but like people, especially like Howard, I would say, Morehouse, I would we, say. We differentiate them as top tier yeah, HBCUs yeah, yeah, versus yes. everybody exactly, else. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> especially with some of the top tier. What I'm saying is having a long-term interest versus a short-term. In the short-term, I can tell you all the big big five are going to be able to offer you a better package. There's just no, there's just no question. But it's also what your long-term goals are because um, as somebody who has worked with a lot of college students and has set on scholarship boards and been in these institutions, at the end of the day, I'm sorry, there are a lot of athletes who their only goal is to make it to the NBA or the NFL. Which is a bad it goal. Is never, it, it's a bad goal, but it would be a bad goal if they went to the, an HBCU. Just going to an HBCU doesn't change their goal. No, but going they to came HBCU. in with the mindset oh, that this is what I want to do. That's not a bad goal. No. I mean, well, if you it is because you have reward, less than 4% that are actually going to have a career your, past three your only goal. Play, play the numbers out, though. Would you rather take a 2% of making $10 million or a 40% of making $40,000? Well, I've like, always encouraged those students, even the strongest players, to get a degree either. To also have something else that is a backup plan. You're right. Like, you can What's still the backup plan, some though? Working at Uber? But... Doing an Uber driving? Exactly. I mean, like, I mean, that's kind of the point. I mean, all I'm saying is, like, making sure that I know you, we know if you're in these HBCUs, they're, they're going to try, they're going to do everything possible to tell you, you know, if you're, 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 you're if you're not, if you're not LeBron James, you're not Zion Williams, which is not 99% of the people, you need to at least have a backup plan and understand things and, uh, you know, understand how your money works, even if you make it. Ask ask a lot of ask a lot of players who we got like um, Antonio Walker who had 120 million dollars. He has nothing now. Adrian Peterson went from zero to 100 million. It's ironic how that seemingly only happens in mass to black athletes. There's something else we need to talk about. No, well, yeah. no, no. That happens to musicians. That's that happens in, in to mass, a lot of people who make about, their money fast. Yes. Is what well, that yes. happens to. Or people and people who have come from backgrounds where they have not seen a lot of money. Right. No, I There's agree. There's something about financial education that we can't deny is missing well, in our neighborhoods. Yes, uh, 100%. But also, there is when you make your money fast, you value it less than you do when you make your money slow, when you build up slowly. Like, that's anything. That's life. That's a human yep. thing. Like, if one day you have zero and the next day you have 100 million, then naturally your brain kind of thinks, like, oh, okay, I can blow this 100 million. And then the next day after that, I'll make another 100 million. And I wouldn't necessarily so, always say that it's fast because if I'm, again, um, in, in a, I don't know whether you were an athlete, but like, Growing up as an athlete, having um, siblings and, and cousins who actually played in the NFL, for me it was, I'm not going to say that this was fast because they started training when they were kids. They started going to these things and being recruited course, by top high schools. Then they went on to very strong colleges and were able to play at the highest level there and then get recruited. So this is something that was years in the making. They yeah. didn't just yeah, wake up one day and become was fast, They, they didn't the, go exactly. from making $50,000 a year in high school to $150,000 a year in, in the post. A million. They went from, they weren't getting zero, they were getting zero, they were getting a meal card at college, and then they were getting $10 well, million dollars signing. if Jamel had written and she was arguing that these athletes should be paid, I would be 100% on well, board, we, and I am for many reasons. We, we, we talk about we'll that. Just pushing yeah, we'll people to HBCUs, sure. yeah, that's going to take a little bit. Yeah, 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 and I just hey. think like, go ahead, James. No, I was going to say, I mean, I think we have to look at this for what it is, though. It's a just it's a fair point. It's not a controlling point. And really, this is a personal decision. It's a money grab. It is a money grab for HBCUs in the well, same way that no, some no, no, that no. everybody I, was writing I, after everybody was writing after students had had some issues on campus and needed to have their campus safe spaces at PWIs and HBCUs were like, no, you can just come here. And they they experienced a bit of a, a bit of a surge of students during that time. And they and they loved it. Um, right now, this is another era in which I think that many are seeing are, are a little opportunistic and trying to push but, 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 but no, I push back no. I, I, I want to push back on a couple points so be, being a person who, who's been an athlete I, I've seen what they've done particularly going to 
from, from, from why, high school. Why did you not choose the HBCU to be an athlete? No, no, no. I wasn't. I wasn't that good. So I'm saying I understand. I understand the culture that's pushed by many people in our community, outside of our community, saying, don't focus on those books, don't do that. You just need to put all your time in being the athlete. That is, a, that is a wrong mentality, no matter what you say, across the board. That's not, for, for almost every single person, that's not gonna do them any good. And it will, it will help other people, it will help institutions, it will help that high school, it might help that college, but it's gonna hurt you long-term. So I do know HBCUs, you know, if you go to, if you go to the right one, they will call you the, the professors, why did you miss class today? Like I, I've talked to people that have gone through this. I mean, they, they treat you like you're part of the community versus if you're versus a commodity, which we know they definitely treat you like a commodity because they see you as paying their bills. I mean, so I do think it's a little oh, different. Yeah. You are. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a little different. And I, I do think uh, black people do start trends. And imagine if only a few major athletes, they say they all went to Howard, right? And they really, and then they, they, they started off and they built from Howard. They, 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 would, they would really start something. I think people would at least look at that and see a lot of the things that black colleges offer that are different, too, that I think a lot of people would like. Think about what Beyonce did when she let everybody see black bands and black culture. A lot of people are like, wow, I had no idea that that happened. I think it also helped black people and, I think, help a lot of other people. That's all. I'm not saying everybody should do that, but I do think... Uh, black athletes have a lot more power and agency than, than they actually give themselves credit for. We are the culture. Yes, yes. We and are that's the culture. The point, actually. I want to push back against the money grab point because it's not a money grab in the sense it's an awakening and saying, look, you do have a lot of power in this multi-billion dollar industry. And so at least consciously we weld it. Everything is not for every, everybody. I always say that. So what she's saying is not for every single black athlete, but for some who want to exert some type of social conscious in their point of college selection, this is an opportunity, a way to do that. You can take that, the money that you generate by virtue of your athletic prowess that you're not getting any of, and you can direct that in a place that's more, that's more conscious and, or direct it more consciously to a place that may compart with your belief system that's already in place. So I don't think she's trying to change anybody's conscious belief system. And have a strong belief system and go to a PWI and play there. No, it is well, no, that, so, that, like, but that ignores the financial piece. Paths, but then again, they have several different options. And again, when you have choice, and this is the path that you choose, I don't see why there would be a problem there. Well, I don't think they should, they, but I think there are people that say that you're not going to have as good of options. And they would be correct because historically but, speaking, but, we've seen these but, but, but that's not, so but those I, people aren't but, but, I don't, I, but I disagree with that point because I would think if more of us are actually able to graduate and, 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 but you and can't disagree with it in practice because, again, if the sole point is that you have more options here, and we've seen this play out in numbers for, what them, for those mean? who want to be athletes. I mean, uh, no, it, that's not true. How is, that true. How is that true? We have seen true? more black athletes come out of PWIs. No, yes, that's because more go, but it's not like you have a higher, a better chance no, of, exactly. of going to the pros by going to that. Now, those one play, now let me say this. Hold on, hold on. Let me say this. There is a point that you are not making that I think is 100% correct that it that supports you. And, and that is right now, because the money is at the, at, the, at the predominantly white schools, the medical care and travel and things like that, which also affects your health, is going to be much better. And so, yes, from that standpoint, athletically, you'll be better served at Clemson than you would be at South Carolina State. You're going to have much better medical care, and that stuff really matters. Yeah. Now, 
the the objective over time would be to level out the playing field by again directing using your talents to cause more money to be directed to these black schools it's not that they don't have the money from sports because they're just wasting it they're just not generating the same amount of money because they don't have cbs or fox or espn writing them billion dollar checks you know, and so there, there's a difference there. And, and the point, again, is just to say, hey, maybe we should consider also trying to get some of these checks that the TV people are writing to go to HBCUs. It's not, and if it's, it's, it's not, not for more, you, it's not for you. Right? It, it, I don't think it's compel, compulsory. If it's not for you, it's not for you. But we should at least be conscious of the decision. Yeah, no, no doubt. Um, no, so I actually look at I actually look at it this way. So we have this. It's not just about if it's better for you as an athlete. I think that we, we have to get out of that mindset because 99% of us are not going to go on to be professional athletes. And even the, even the small percentage that do, they're going to have very short careers. So we're going to need to develop academically and we're going to need to know to invest in ourselves and not listen to those in our community and outside to say, all you need to do is focus on your athletics. You're going there to be an athlete. No, you're not. But I mean, that's 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 a conversation needs to be held yeah. long before long before somebody is making a college decision. We need to be having this in elementary school, middle school, because there are literally people who are geared from a very young age to where but those this who, is what they the, see but, is their outlet. It doesn't matter if they choose a PWI or an HBCU. But, on, but isn't this whole point about at. the athletes that are generating the money, like the, the really high level? The guy, the twelfth guy on the bench at Duke, is not bringing in TV dollars. It's Zion Williamson. It's R.J. Barrett. Like those, the people that we're talking about are the people that are the potential pros. Right. Like she's saying that the people who are drawing eyeballs to the screen and frankly that's not the 12th guy on the on the basketball yeah. bench or the the 90th guy on the football roster we're then, talking about then, stars then, then they just have then that only makes it harder for them because at the end of the day if you're talking about bringing the people who are going to bring the major dollars who are the you know the stars of the team they have more options than anybody right. else and they always will but, so again that just means you have to be even if hbcus came out competitive one year where it was okay you get a whole rush of top you know top five black athletes to show up there you have to show that inconsistency or at least then be drafted in consistently consistency for you know generations of black people to say this is the move i want to make and to, and to your point no 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 like so why could like rutgers doesn't show that they're consistently good at anything so you're saying that they people should alabama go to rutgers does, and alabama is the dream for a whole bunch of people who want to play football yeah, no, I mean, it doesn't matter where you went to high school. It doesn't matter what other colleges exist. You want to go to a school that you're looking at that consistently remains strong. But let me, but let me, right. pivot, let but, me. But there are plenty of power of, of power conference schools that aren't strong, though. Is what I'm. That's true. If you're saying Alabama, if you're saying Clemson, if you're saying Duke, Vanderbilt, yeah, but Vanderbilt's a great somewhere. school. Though. But there are a lot of loser Power Five programs. Yeah, and I want to say, this, yeah, yeah, you make a great point, James. But I also want to go back to a point that Amisha made earlier. We have to have the conversation earlier: elementary, middle school. But you are pushed then, and I would say, like, these schools are, are willing to lower their standards considerably if they can get an athlete. Well, I say, hey, we can solve, we can solve the problem a lot of, in, a, in, a lot of, in a lot of urban communities because people would make sure we would actually get better educated men, black men and women, if we say, hey, the standards got to be the same across the board. We don't believe in inclusive programs. We don't believe in affirmative action. We don't need to do it for sports either. And make sure that people get in no matter, no matter what. So then people are going to say, well, maybe we need to do more to prepare people instead of just saying you just focus on being an athlete. I think that's, that's a big problem. That's Pollyannish, man. That's not how the world works. <laughs> the world doesn't work like that. If you have a talent and that talent is valuable, then people make exceptions for you. And it's not some like funny business talent. going right. on with And athletics. we know that a lot of those students aren't where they need to be academically, and that's why they have assigned to them several different tutors and everything else, and they have a different course track in many cases than a lot of other students. It is what again, it is. But, but, but they're doing but them they, a favor. But they're also, doing that because these people are valuable. Yeah, exactly. These yeah, people yeah, make I them money. I don't think that that. But, but, it, but, 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 you are, you, you are, I think you're doing an injustice to a lot of kids if you're doing that to them early on, because they, they do this to them starting in middle school. 
and you don't know if somebody's going to be LeBron James. That doesn't. I don't think that's a good. I don't think that's valuable to those to those kids. I think it doesn't that help them. No, I'm not saying it's that's helping what I'm saying. them. I'm saying that's the way the world works, though. That is, but that doesn't that, mean that, I there accept are thirty year olds right now that get every excuse made for them because they drive money. They drive revenue. Oh there yeah, there's, there's no question. There are fifty year olds that make like there and, are seventy year olds. And what I'm saying is, it's hurting them. It's not. You, at least those people are being helped. It, it, long term, overall, you do the numbers. We're being hurt by that process. And yes, it may be Pollyannish, but I'm making a point that. We need to have more agency over the process. I think that's another level of what uh, Jamel could be pointing to. I just wanted to just point yeah, that out. She, I mean, she's definitely saying that. Yeah. So, like, let's talk about money. Uh, when you talk about having agency, you have the, all these athletes that are not paid $1. And what really, we've talked about this before, but what really pisses me off is that not only can you not be paid at all, you can't even make money off your likeness. So if someone wanted to start a YouTube show, like, they, there's actually a guy who did this, I think uh, Donald... I can't remember his last name, uh, but he he did this and he started his own YouTube station and all this other stuff, and he he, he did every, he did he did everything he needed to do academically. He was doing his stuff, but they prevented him from being able to collect the money he was getting from that, just because he was playing football. Like I think that's ridiculous. I mean, they, they're, they're, so you're also at the same time exploiting these kids, and at the same time you're not going to allow them to make any money, and they can't even have a regular job like other students can. But then you want to say they're students, they're not athletes. I mean. I don't, well, there's I don't, two pieces of that, though. I don't the, one that. is the workers' comp piece. Um, if you if if they're classified as employees, or if they if they can argue under agency law that they're employees, then and not student athletes, then you have workers' comp issues. You have like the the exposure to the university goes up, but also it's just about controlling them. It's, it's completely and it's completely BS. Now they're paid quote unquote, in the form of a scholarship, which by the way, was the same deal people got 50 years ago when there was no television contract. Like, so before it was, okay, you get a con, you, you get, you know, a scholarship, we get to keep the money from the tickets we sell. And that's, that's actually not too bad. That's not that bad of a fair deal. I don't think that in terms of ticket sales, maybe athletes shouldn't get that. But once you start putting it on TV, which you're already doing a performance, you put it on TV, you're not doing anything to get it on TV. All you're doing is getting a check Somebody's showing up and shooting it. So you're not even shooting it. Once you start doing that, then you are actually selling their performance beyond the confines of your stadium. And that part, basically, I, I think that's illegal. I think that the Supreme or not, not the Supreme Court, but the appellate court, as it's working through his appellate courts, that's not going to stand because they are just not able to say, okay, yes, we will take TV money for your performances and then you do not get any cut of that. And then, as you said, you can't even do, you can't even do endorsements. You can't do anything with your likeness. Now, the other piece that you have to consider is that this is not fair. If it was fair, then let's say, okay, take away the scholarship, let them negotiate for free or let them negotiate equally. Let's say, okay, Zion Williamson, you negotiate with Duke, you see what you end up with in terms of value. You know it's going to be much more than a scholarship. That's how you know that by restricting people to a scholarship, you are cutting them off. You are saying you are doing something that is anti-capitalist, anti-free market. Dare I say you are a socialist if you do that. <laughs> no, I, I, I think I'm going to agree with you a lot there. I think we're in a different space today where you're seeing um, more, and more, of these, more and more of these games get on network TV. You're seeing more and more of these, um, more and more of these schools actually have apparel that's not only sold here but also sold abroad um they are literally making millions sometimes billions off of these athletes and there's there should be a question there as to the value add for the athlete because yes they get their moment in the shine but they're not getting anything while they're there and for you to talk about it just in terms of scholarship your scholarship in and of itself is less than two percent of what the school is making off of these students anyway so i'm like 
there has to be something more. I agree with you in terms of the negotiation power as well. I, it, it's something that I don't think that schools are going to buy into anytime too soon, but it's definitely something that I think well, that more and more schools are never going to Yeah, schools are never going to buy into it. You know, power concedes nothing without the man, never has, never will, right? So they're going to well, yeah, need to. Of course. To, like, yeah, why would they? Have, yeah, they have their to. workforce locked in, you know, but it's ridiculous. I made this point uh, a couple months ago on one of the podcasts we did, but for your, if you'd be like your employer paying you with the product that they provide normally, like if you work for Nike, all they do is give you shoes. And it's like, well, no, I need some money. You know, like I need to buy stuff. Like I can't, what am I doing with all these shoes? Like, so it's not like the colleges are doing anything, anything out that they don't already do for the athletes. All they're doing is saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. I sell cars, you know, like here, work for me in the fact in my Ford factory and I'll give you a free car and that's it. It's like, well, no, that's ridiculous. You know, like, so we wouldn't accept that anywhere else. You know, like it's the, the people who perform and people who drive revenue should be able to capitalize on that. That's what we're supposed to believe in as Americans. Which is why they have to take agency of who they are. And no matter how that looks, even if that's organizing a union, whatever, I think more, more, more and more players have to think about how they're going to take agency back. There's going to HBCUs. I think the, the broader point to HBCUs aren't going to pay them either. Well, that's a good point. You know, <laughs> well, but, if you go to HBCUs, <laughs> though, the predominantly white schools will start paying. Yeah, exactly. They might, they might, they might. <laughs> that's, that's a good point. <laughs> that's a good point. But the point is, we, ha we have to take agency and understand our own power. There's a lot of power in what we bring, and I don't think the value is being reflected in that. And we just have to realize that as a culture going across the board. I think I that's think the big point, man. The, the, point. the big point isn't that everybody needs to go to an HBCU. The big point is that put that in your calculus when you're considering where you want to go to school. Like, hey, I'm making a lot of money for X school and I get a set amount back. So whatever X school is, let me, if I want to go here because they have the best facilities, or I want to go here because I'm going to be on TV the most, or I want to go here because of whatever reason, you can also consider I want to go here because I want to direct all the money that I'm bringing in back into this community. Like that could just be one of the considerations. I think that's the whole point. I don't think a lot it's of people in professional athleticism actually think about that. Um, we, we, we have our, our, shining, our, our shining moments of glory with athletes who are giving back to the community at the highest level. And then we, we have those who are me, 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 spending their money on cars, women, and other things. Yeah, like, yeah the Michael I, Jordan. I don't think or that's going to change yeah. uh, based on someone's, I don't even expect that type of appeal from someone who is 18 or 19 years old if we can't get it out of somebody who is 30. No, I mean, but I think we, if we, we have to keep making and, and making a conscious effort to make people aware because some people aren't even socially conscious that they should be doing it, right? I mean, I mean, but, you know, we have had athletes who've done that. We've had Muhammad Ali. I think LeBron James does a good job. Then you have... Then you have the O.J. Simpson model, as as, as James has said about you know they, we we've seen that paradigm. Either you, you can be profitable, make a lot of money in both. You can you can give back, you can be conscious, and you can still make money, because because uh, there's this false narrative out that says that oh if you're conscious you lose money. You might lose some money, but that doesn't mean you're gonna you, you might not make money that way. There's other opportunities to make money. I mean LeBron has shown that Muhammad Ali's how much is Muhammad Ali's worth? I don't think work? that this is something that they are sitting around consciously thinking. When you talk about LeBron, you talk about people like Muhammad Ali. They they had lifelong pursuits of social justice. It wasn't just when they became athletes. They were able to give more when they did, but these were people who were always it is in their DNA to do this. I am arguing I that there are a lot of individuals that that does not exist for. 
correct. No, I agree. Correct. I mean, but you shouldn't underestimate all 18-year-olds, though. Yes, many 18-year-olds, you know, like are not going to be thinking about what's best for society in terms of their college choice, but some will. And so those who do want to factor that into their their, their mindset, then let's give, let, let, hey, this is something else you can consider as far as the impact of your decision, the impact of your decision to bring value wherever you go to college, because it's not just, the, it's not a one-way street. A lot of times people have in their mind, this is a one-way street. I go to college, they're doing something for me. I'm just grateful that they're just doing all this for me. And actually you're bringing in millions of dollars for them. And if you want to direct that money in a conscious way somewhere where you think it'd be important, then great. If you don't, then great, you know, do you. But at the same time, it, it is something that if it's not brought up, then people won't even see it That's as the an point. effect that they can have. That's the point because LeBron, my guess is LeBron had others who taught him those values. Like those don't, some people do have it instinctively, but generally people learn the values from community. And so making sure that we're socially conscious can, can do nothing but help. So if we, if we tell our athletes versus just focus on being an athlete and that's it, actually focus on making sure you do more to help. It's not always about you. Then we might be more likely to actually see more economic improvements. I think that's the, that's what we're trying to point to, actually understanding the power of our agency, the power we have as people, and the power we have, particularly if you're an athlete that happens to have these gifts and abilities. Realize that it's only gonna be for a short period of time, and realize that there's a lot that can be done with your talents, a lot more than most people actually realize. Until next time though, eternal vigilance is the price of freedom. I'm Rob Richardson. I'm James Keyes. And I'm Amisha Cross. And we'll see you next time.